Welcome to another episode of the Wild and Wonderful Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Patterson. Um, we started this podcast last year and had good success with it. We had a bunch of guests on from the Deer Society, Rod White, Colton Hall, Andy Orr. And uh, we shared a lot of good information and hopefully to have the same success this year. Um, today, I'm joined with Sean Jinks. He's the uh, owner of Jinxum Sense. And how I met Sean was actually through Rod White. And Rod, he's kind of one of the guys I look up to in the hunting industry. And uh, I asked Sean, I asked Rod, I said, what kind of scents are you using? He mentioned Jinxum Scents. And he uh, sent me over to Sean and got hooked up with Sean and used Jinxum Scents for about two years and kind of branched off a little bit just to test the waters with some of the other products and ended up coming back to Jinxum because the results I was seeing with the other products just wasn't nowhere near satisfying. So Jinxum Sense is where I'm at now. And so let's roll into this podcast with Sean. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Mitchell. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, do- I'm doing great. Good, good. Oh. Uh, so, a couple of days ago, you killed a big, big buck with a muzzler. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, boy. There's, <laughs> there's a story behind that one. So, um, but it's a good story because it's actually um, just, I, I, I'm sold on my own scent. I've been using it for years, and I swear by it. I've killed lots of deer with it. I get lots of deer activity with it. So, um, so I get out there the other day, and, uh, of course, I've been trying to film and, do all that so i get out there and and i was actually heading into another spot i was going to do a hanging hot and as i come through this area of the uh, woods i come up on a whole bunch of scrapes like literally like 20 of them and they were all fresh so i picked the tree out right there there was some good rubs right there and i was like you know what this bucks he's in here these are way too fresh he's close by so i end up setting up my stand and and uh, so not knowing what buck it was, just knowing that by the rubs on the trees and all that, it looked like it was probably going to be a pretty good buck. And uh, so I got my stand all set, really quiet, creeped in, and that's it. Got it all done, climbed up in my tree, hung my uh, muzzleloader on my, I just put a bow holder in and then hang my muzzleloader off that. And I put my uh, uh, camera base um, on, my, on the tree, and then I set my camera arm in it, and I was... A little bit too high i didn't like it so i end up pulling the um deal out and lowering my base and um got it down about another five four or five inches and got it all cinched back down tight and uh and put my uh my arm there i was going to to grab my arm back out of my bag and put it back in there and this was like three o'clock in the afternoon and as I'm reaching in my backpack to pull that out, I look up and here's this buck and he's standing about 50 yards away. And the wind's going right at him. But I'm up in the air and of course, me being me, I build a mock scrape every time I, every time I sit. Don't matter where I go, if I do a hanging hunt, I build a mock scrape before I climb up in my tree and get all set with my stand. So that was it. He could, he was over there and he was rolling his nose and the whole nine yards. So I didn't have my video arm on and, didn't have my camera out of the bag and here's a he ended up being a 148 and three eighths and uh, but he also busted off four times so he would have been pushing 
he'd have been in the upper 150s pushing 160 had he uh, not busted his rack all up but anyways that was it i had the choice i can either uh uh shoot him with the muzzle loader without the film or i just let him walk by and that wasn't happening so so here's where the story gets kind of tricky um and i haven't told only but a couple people this story because I, I screwed up even as as uh a veteran hunter that I am with 43 years hunting sometimes deer can get you still get you a little bit worked up I'm still human so my muzzle loader has a double safety on it it's got the spin knob on the back of it where you got to spin it all the way open and then it shows the red and then you've got a little lever on the side to slide forward and backwards for your safety so I grab my muzzle loader and I pull it up and I get on him and I pull the trigger in it and just the hammer hits but it doesn't go off so now he's looking at me, but he's still smelling that doe estrus. So he, but he knows something's not right. So he starts to just kind of do a half a circle around me, like a half a moon. And I literally pulled the trigger on that muzzle loader probably 10 times. Every time it was making a big loud click and he was still staying right there. And, and I, I do credit that that uh, estrus that I had out he he could smell that he was thinking something was you know he, that was it he wasn't sure what was going on but he knew there was a hot dough in the area so finally I just I I slowed down I looked down at my gun I'm like what are you doing just look at your gun and I'm like oh you idiot <laughs> <laughs> oh let me try this so I spun that back um, knob back and it was kind of funny because in my head I the, the thought in my head was like I bet she goes boom now and that was it. I pulled it up, put it on him, and pulled the trigger, and down he went. Dropped him right in his tracks. Ended up hitting him right forward in the front shoulder, kind of right there at the base of the neck and the front shoulder, kind of quartering into him. And it blew out the opposite side shoulder, but it took his, uh, apparently I, t- I took his spine out when it uh, when the slug went in, so it dropped him right there. And that's the story behind the buck I just killed. <laughs> Definitely was a adrenaline-filled moments where we've all been there where we- things that seem stupid at the time but when you got so much adrenaline pumping there's a number of things that can go wrong oh yeah that was just like man i'm not even it just happened so quick if i'd have been sitting there and been already you know and had time to prepare but i mean literally i just climbed up in that tree i wasn't up in that i mean i was up in that tree long enough to get my um get my muzzleloader hung up on the bow hook and to get my base mounted and then find out it's too high and I was just lowered. I mean, I literally been up in that tree probably five minutes. So, yeah, caught me off guard. And that's what I do too. Is I always, when I'm always for safety, whenever I'm climbing my tree with my muzzleloader, I usually throw it over my back, you know, with the with the uh, with the strap. And but I always set both of my safeties. You just never know when you're climbing up the tree. So making sure on that all the time and then i hang it up but once i'm all set got my camera all in and everything then i reach over and i spin that knob and it's then i'm good then all i got is just that one single safety that i've got set and i run with that while i'm hunting and when i'm done in this dark i spin that back close and i come down with the double safety on so it got me this time <laughs> we can all we're all human we can all make mistakes let's uh let's dive into the history of your company how did you start jinxum since well, started start the business started in 2015. It kind of come about um, as a lot of people know. I've got Jinxum Outdoors, and um, it started out. I got a I got a sponsor. I got a urine a deer urine sponsor, and um, I won't give any names, but 
I couldn't get them to, the one wouldn't send me a, um, a coupon code, um, nothing. I mean, I was, I was ready to buy all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I mean, literally I was going to drop two, 300 bucks on an order. And, um, the guy just would never return any of my, my messages, any of my phone calls. Um, I, I finally just, I left him voicemails and I finally just got, had enough of that. And I did that with him for about a month, probably maybe six weeks. And I finally was like, yeah, this ain't going to work. So then I jumped with another, um, sponsor and, um, that started out good. I made an order and I got my first products. And then the guy, once again, this guy disappears off the face of the earth. And, um, yeah, that, so that was it. So I, I was just, I was very unhappy. I mean, obviously with, with the customer service and, and just everything, there was no communication, no nothing. I guess I'm just not like that. And I, I thought in my head, I was like, God, I, I know I could do so much better with customer relations. Cause that's kind of what I do. I'm kind of that customer relations guy. Um, so I was, had it kind of in the back of my head and then it was, probably actually this guy had gotten a hold of me a couple weeks before I'd left that second company and wanted to know if um, I wanted to try some of his scent. And I turned him down because I said I had a sponsor. So um, it was like two weeks after I left that um, sponsor, then this guy ended up um, calling me back again. And I was like, you know what? He's like, I just want to send you a couple bottles. I want you to try it. Tell me what you think. And I went out and the first night I went out, I just, I'd never seen deer what they do, what they did with us. And, and at that point, I just, I just went out, I was sitting on the ground that first night, didn't even have a stand in yet. It was like, you know, first part of the season and, uh, sat on the ground and I sprinkled a bunch of it on the, on a bush and she just sat back in a down treetop and I ended up having three bucks come in and they wouldn't leave each buck stuck around for like a half hour. Just they'd walk away 20, 30 yards and then they'd come back and they'd sniff all over that bush and rub their faces in it. And then they'd walk away and 20, 30 yards and they turn around and they'd come back. So three different bucks throughout the night and they all three did the same thing. So I ended up actually, um, getting some of that sent to a couple of my buddies and I was like, Hey, try this stuff out and just tell me, tell me what happens. So, few days later um they got back with me and both of them were like pretty much said the same thing like dude what is that and i'm like let's just deer urine they're like no there's something in that and i'm like no it's it's just straight deer urine and so my one buddy was like dude you should start a business selling this stuff this stuff is amazing i was impressed man deer freaking hung out by my tree all night long they wouldn't leave and i was like yep that's kind of what i had they just they don't want to leave so um that was it. I got with my uh, with my guy that had sold me that, and I asked him if uh, he would if he could uh, sell that in bulk. I didn't even I didn't really realize how much you know if he had enough to do that. He's like, "How much you want?" I'm like, "Well, how much can you get me?" He's like, well, "Again, how much do you want?" I'm like, "Okay, not throughout this crazy number." And I said, "So if I'm on the hundred thousand two ounce bottles, you could do that." And he's like, "Yep, I can do that." I was like, "All right." So he's like, and he had contracts with other people too, so. Um, he just sent me over a contract and with the deal and the pricing and said, this is what I'll do it for you with if you're interested in doing it. And I signed the contract and we made the deal. So um, that's it. That's kind of how it all started. That was in 2015 and it's been growing every year and just gets better and better every year. Yeah, I will say 
I, when I was testing the waters with the other companies, you by far definitely got the best customer service. Sean is like really hands on and he'll message you and like come up, tell you any tips he has or any solutions to any problems you might be having that he can figure out. Um, Sean, you're definitely the best with customer relations that I've seen in any sim yeah, company. I, I just, I, you know, I treat, I treat people how I want to be treated because I know we've all been there. We've all called that company that won't answer the phone or when they do and they say they'll get back to you, then two weeks goes by and you haven't heard a word from them and you're calling them back again. I mean, you know, I know, I know everybody out there has dealt with bad customer service and I just, it, that was, that was what was bothering me about the two companies that I went with. And I knew I could do so much better. I'm like, you know what? I'm a people person. I know I can do this better than that. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. I mean, I, I'm on the phone a lot. I, my, I get bombarded with messages. I mean, it's, it, it gets, it gets ridiculously crazy. I sit out in a tree deer hunting and my phone, I put my phone on vibrate. Um, and that's my phone sits and vibrates all night long. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I enjoy that too. I really do. I want to see people be successful and, 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 you know, there's like very, very few seriously in seven years, I bet you I can count maybe 10 people in seven years that did not say they're not having luck with it. And, you know, and I don't, I, because I don't know their hunting capabilities and what level of a hunter they are, because, you know, there's, there's everybody from a beginner to a, to a mediocre, to an expert, to even a professional, you know, at, at their hunting skills. So, um, I know that anybody, all of my buddies who I know that are just good deer hunters on their own, right. Don't need scent. Don't, I mean, I could, I could go out and climb a tree in a pair of blue jeans and a, in a, black hoodie pullover hoodie and i could kill deer but um i like to kill big deer so you know sometimes you know last couple years i kind of sacrificed and i took some smaller deer that probably aren't my wheelhouse or what i'd normally kill but um i'd also been on a little dry spell too and and i had no meat in the freezer and i was like man i want some canned venison so you know you kind of i shot one deer last year and and uh, he's small eight about 120 inch eight point so, but you know, that's, that's it. I just, I like to give people advice. I like to troubleshoot for them if they're having issues. And, um, you know, and, and honestly, I guess if, if guys are struggling, um, there's, there, there's no reason for it. You get in where those deer are at and you become one of those deer and where those deer are rubbing their antlers and where those deer are making their, building their scrapes, you get right in there and you become one of those bucks and you just, you just work in scrapes, build scrapes beside his scrapes, build your own mock scrapes, um, you know, put cameras on them. And, and I'm telling you, I, I have never, and I, and I, and I can honestly say this and I've always said that, that, I can honestly say that I have never, ever since using my product, I have never built a mock scrape that I did not get deer to come onto. Now, I won't say that it was, you know, the big giants all coming in. I'm picking up a doe and a couple of fawns and maybe a spike and, and a little six pointer or something like that. And I'll run those mocks like that for, for a week or two. And then if those don't start producing for me, I move. And sometimes it only takes moving 75, 100 yards and setting up another mock. And just for some reason or another, 
the deer all of a sudden you just start going crazy on your camera and uh you know and then that other spot's like god that was only 7500 yards away same wood same stuff but they didn't seem to like that one and 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 they're traveling through there but for some reason they're just really not hitting on that mock you know so there's a lot of it too and i guess that would be my advice to to the listeners out there too is is that if you've got a mock that's just not getting much activity you move it start looking around and start finding and getting getting right in there and just and to hone in on where the deer are really concentrating most of their time. Like right now, here we are, what is it, 25th of October? It's on fire. It's it's getting fired up pretty good right now. I seen uh, four bucks tonight and uh, a doe and a fawn. That was it. But four bucks in October 25th, and the biggest one come through, like I said, he's probably mid-130, pushing 140 tonight that I passed on. And uh, he had his mouth open, tongue hanging out, and he was on a mission. He come up to my mock scrape. He smelled it for about five seconds, curled his nose, and away he went. So, um, yeah, they're starting to get wound up. So right now, getting those mock scrapes in right now is like they're 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 on fire. The bucks are scraping hard right now. There's there's a bunch lots of scrapes in the woods right now. So you just got to get on and, and concentrate and get right in where they're at and and. Uh, become one of the deer and you you'll get deer i'll guarantee you, you'll get deer showing up on those mocks and if nothing more at least give you an inventory and let you know what you do have out there you know yeah one thing i learned um last year from doing this podcast with like rod and colton and the guys from deer society all them guys out in iowa and just by following social media posts uh here in west virginia we're about three days behind uh you guys in iowa as far as deer activity goes, Rob would tell me something that he's seeing, and about three days later, I would see it. But right, uh, yeah, I've I've definitely noticed this week. Um, I had, yeah, and I'm and I'm talking Midwest. Yeah, you know, pretty much Pennsylvania all the way across, kind of to New York and and uh, you know straight across the top of the country. You know, as far all the way out into the Dakotas, as far as that goes. I mean, they got deer out in the and Washington and uh, Idaho. They got whitetail too in that, but. Um, yeah, we're, we're right here for Kansas, the, all the Midwest right now. Things are starting to, you know, the rut's not here yet. The, the full blown rut or what they call lockdown. We're not there yet, but the bucks are really starting to get wound up and, and they're, they're starting to, they're starting to run around and look the little bucks, especially are running around like a bunch of fools. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've noticed on my cameras, I've got six cameras out all ever like big, huge community mock scrapes that I've made and new bucks are showing up and some of the bucks that i've had all year or that have been nocturnal are starting to daylight so yeah it's definitely starting to heat up a little bit yeah most definitely Um, definitely for sure let's talk about um what are some of the pros and cons of owning a scent company Hmm. the pros is that i guess for one it's succeeding. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm doing what I wanted to do. You know, I work for myself and, 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 you know, that's, that's, that's a great thing. Um, although I get really super busy and that, so there's a con for you. Um, I guess the, the biggest con would be, um, right now during deer season, uh, me wanting to hunt, but I've got orders rolling in the, in the mail and orders, you know, orders or through the website, and that's it. Orders take precedence over my hunting. 
Um, so that that's probably the biggest con is that, you know, I, I, when I started this business, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get a business and get going pretty good. And then, man, I'll I'll get done all the time, you know, because I'll be the boss and I'll be able to say when when I have to work and when I don't have to work. Well, that's not how it works. So, um, so you know, and the, another pro of the of the of the owner is the people that I've met. I've, you know, you you're you're clear out on the East Coast and, you know, I've got people from all over the country that I'm friends with now, Florida and. Oklahoma, Texas, the Dakotas, Nebraska, I mean, Arkansas, everywhere. I mean, the whole, the whole country, Vermont. I mean, so that, that's the friends that I've made and I've got some, there's a lot of good people out there. Um, there's a lot of not so many good people out there too, but for the most part, everybody I've, you know, I've just met a lot of really great people and, and we all just exchange information and help each other out and, and, you know, I know that with some of my guys, you know, that some of these guys that, you know, you post a question onto the staff page and you'll get a bunch of my staff will jump in there and, and um, give you some give you some advice. And most most all of it is um, is good advice. I mean, they're, they're telling you exactly, you know, this is what's going on. This is what I would do. Not, not saying that it'll work, but, you know, it's just it's 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 an idea. So. My staff's like that too, so they're they're just real good at at helping everybody out, and and uh, so and that's it. Like I said, just it's just fun. I enjoy it, and there's really not too many cons. Other, you know, like I said, losing the hunting time, maybe dealing with some haters every now and then. That that's kind of a um, a con, but I've gotten used to those. And actually, it's funny, and I and, and I I don't understand it, but. <laughs> Every single time I get a hater that comes on the on the page and makes some ridiculous comment or something rude and whatever mean, <laughs> um, and that's it. It, it I, I get sales. All of a sudden, I start getting sales in. <laughs> so you know, it's gotten to the point on some of them. You know, I I stay out of them anymore. But I'll get staff, and then other people will jump in and you know start calling them out, and I can see it heating up. And like, okay, this is this one's going going south quickly so then I'll, I'll just delete the post and just get it right out of there and it's like yeah we're not going to have all this drama on the page so um yeah that's so dealing with that kind of stuff dealing with some staff every now and then is kind of a con to um you know most of my staff again are are pretty good um i think it comes with the territory though that some you know you, you get a little bit of everybody you get you get some that are hardcore into it and promote real hard and and share a lot and do a lot of stuff. You get other guys that are in the middle of the road, and then you have those others that do absolutely nothing. Yeah, takes all kinds they of cons. Want that, but they want that discount. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody likes uh, right. discount stuff and free goodies. So I deal with it. It's Facebook. I mean, it, 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 unfortunately, that is how it works. I've been doing this long enough. Um, you know, I've had Jinxum Outdoors since 2012, I believe, and running staff and getting rid of staff and bringing on staff. And, um, you know, so it, it's kind of a, a constant cycle that never stops. Um, and you, and you just, you just deal with it as you go along. And like I said, I've gotten better at it when I was started out. You know, I used to get butt hurt and then I want to make some stupid post and <laughs> then my friends are like dude delete that delete that so I did and 
and um you know just over time you just learn to deal with it it's just just easier to 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 delete their comment and ban them from the page and that's what i do anymore on that kind of stuff i don't even deal with it. it it pops in i laugh and say okay well here you go. Now you won't have to worry about seeing anything getting posted by Jinx and Sons because you're banned. <laughs> so, block. So, you know, yeah, that's... But other than that, I'm enjoying it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy getting a good product out there to pe- and getting that in people's hands because, like I said, it really does... It, it, if you're a good hunter in your own rights, like I was saying, I guess I didn't probably finish that up, my scent will take your hunting to the next level. Seriously. And if you're a mediocre hunter, it's going to give you a little bit better edge, too, than what you had going on. Um, some of these guys, you know, and unfortunate, you know, there's guys that are new, and so they, they've got a lot to learn. There's other guys that have been in the game for a long time, and still, you know, they're 45 years old, and they've killed two deer, you know. And um, so, unfortunately, you know, we, with, with some people in the industry, you could hand them all the the best stuff in the industry, you know, give them the best camo, the best tree stands, the best bows, best guns, best scent, best cover scents. I mean, you could throw all that to them and just, you know, it's kind of that old saying that, that uh, not all Indians were hunters. Some, some had to do the dishes and stuff, keep the teepee clean. Exactly. <laughs> I know I've been bow hunting these West Virginia mountain bucks since I was 12 years old, been bow hunting for 18 years now. And, you know, like when you first start out, we start out with uh, what you can get at Walmart. And then when me and dad wanted to start filming our own hunts, we I started looking. And after he passed away, I really started looking into like uh, some of the other companies. And that's when I, how I came up with Wild and Wonderful Outdoors and really just wanted to do it for fun. And then... I saw that it was actually helping some people out. People were sending me messages, and that if I can help anybody out, I'm I don't claim to be a professional hunter in no no shape or form, but I do know what has worked for me, and scent wise, you know. And I'm I'm that same guy. I'll say you know what I'm not a professional hunter. I mean, I do have um, friends and and uh, acquaintances and stuff that kind of look at me like that. You know, I'm a good hunter. Um, I, I, I know, I, I know deer, um, my mom, she's probably my biggest fan and, and, uh, new people come around and stuff like that. And we're talking hunting and all that. My mom will be the first one to jump up and, and say, if there is one thing that my son knows and knows inside out backwards, sideways, that's deer. I'm like, well, mom, I don't know about that because by the time you think you got them figured out, they do something to make you stand there scratching your head going, what what just happened there? Every you time. Know? They I do it every time. 43 years right here for me, and I still learn something every year, you know? And even if it's just learning, learning their patterns a little bit more, learning how they travel through that timber that you're hunting. I mean, I've always been pretty good at that. At, you know, okay, the deer, like, when they come through, they like to travel this this corridor they always round this corner right here by this field or or they always cut the corner by the edge of the river right there and that trail is there every year and you know but when you're first starting out you know you're trying you're seeing that but you don't add that up and it's as you get more experience and more knowledge you start looking at that stuff a little bit deeper then you start looking about that more like okay where is this where do i think this deer is coming from where do i think that he's betting 
And, you know, then you start getting into playing that, basically playing a game of chess with him. And, um, you know, and trying not to let him bust you at all because he busts you in there. If he's a big one, especially, um, he could move out on you. And then, and then you, you bone the game. And, um, so, you know, it's just a game of chess. And like I said, and, and I still, and I'm still learning. And, uh, you know, you, sometimes you make the wrong move and, or he just happens to get lucky and he makes the right move. And, you know, I know y'all been there before. You got to do, he's got two steps to go and he's in my shooting lane. And then for some reason out of the blue, he decides that he wants to turn and go away from me up through the brush. And it's like, wow, really? <laughs> Man, that was a nice buck. Dang it. You know, so, but that's it. It's a, it's a constant learning game. You know, when you stop, stop learning, that's when it stops getting interesting. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy every bit of it. I look forward to deer. I don't look forward to them as much as I used to because I'm getting older, and then so now I'm starting to add the age thing, and they're like, hold on, dude, let's not rush deer season. Nope, I'm getting old enough. If we rush deer season, I'm going to be another year older that much faster. <laughs> nope, I'll just sit back and let it come as it comes, which still comes way too fast. <laughs> That's like me this year. I, I'm just now – I turned 30 a couple of days ago and like I used to be ready to go out there and I had to hunt every single day, every single hour. Now anymore, I'm checking the weather, checking the moon, checking the wind and just letting that determine when I go and to, you know, the stand yep. the best, the stand the best odds, put the odds in my favor. Oh yeah. I live on the weather um, app. Um, that's it because the the wind dictates what what stand I'm going to hunt or what area I'm going to go and do a hanging hunt in because um, I keep about three stands sat all the time and they're all sat for different winds in different areas and then I got my portable that I kind of just run around with on my back if I want to do a hanging hunt you know then I like all right the wind's good for this but I don't have a stand up in there so but I know where I'm going because I've already hunted up in here before. So, you know, I, I typically kind of tend to go back into the same areas that I that I typically do. I'll bounce around trees a little bit sometimes within that, that small area, you know. But um, mainly, yeah, so you kind of know. So you go do those hanging hunts, and, and uh, yep, that's how, I, that's how I do on, on those. So I always put the weather map or the weather app, yeah, which way is the wind blowing night? Okay, I've got two stands I can hunt tonight, which one you want to go, you know? So yeah, that's a big one. Um, rain, of course, because I, uh, I film everything and I don't like to go out with my camera if it's raining out. So a lot of times if it's, even if it's just sprinkling stuff that maybe deer are moving, I may not end up going out just because I know I can't run my camera. Um, yeah, I don't want to fry, don't want to fry my camera. So, but, uh, yeah, so that's it. Watching all, all that weather watching for the pressure changes, a wind shift. Sometimes you get that bluebird weather in there and the deer aren't really moving. It takes doesn't take anything more than, even if we you know don't get a storm that rolls through, but we get southwest winds all of a sudden turn to a north or northeast winds. And that, that'll, those wind shifts will even get deer to, to move and stuff like that too, so. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole game of cat and mouse and where to set a stand and how to approach it and how to get in out in it and out of it and yeah so that that's kind of the level i'm at now where i'm learning i, I don't think i'll ever 
any of us i don't think any of us will ever get it figured out you know we get we get close and and we and we become successful but um there's a lot of them that have gotten away (laughs) um let's roll into um you and i both know um that deer communicate through scents year-round they use scrapes year-round um some like during late summer early in the fall around the rut you know you see more scrape activity but they're hitting them scrapes during the winter time and in the spring too um i yep i run mocks all year round i'm on um god i think i'm coming up at the end of this season i believe will be four years well no i'm right there four years right now basically was at the was this this fall it's been four years. I'm on my fourth year right now of run of uh, nonstop running mocks 365. Um, I just I just enjoy it. I mean, and of course things slow down in the winter, but they're still hitting them. Um, they're slow in the spring too. And then you'll get in. They'll be slow, you know, right up until about end of June, mid to late June, and then you hit July, and then you you I start picking up bunch of my velvet bucks you start picking up on those mocks and uh and then that it just then it's kind of sporadic they're just kind of you pick them up maybe once a week or something like that and then uh then they shed that velvet and that's it then my my mocks typically fire right up then and i start getting lots of lots of different bucks and um but typically you know for the and that's how i've done it for four years so i can literally walk you through the season as to what you're what you're going to get you know your your top months honestly that you're going to be banging on uh, mock scapes is september and october um first couple weeks in november but then you're getting into that lockdown and then all those scapes even all the natural scapes go dead because the bucks are breeding so during that lockdown period you know you're kind of wasting your time building scrapes you know not necessarily because that buck's gonna get done with that though and then break from her and you happen to be in the right place at the right time while that buck's on the search looking for another doe, then, you know, you just never know. But, um, so I run them right through it anyways. But I, I run them big time at the end. Our season here in Iowa ends January 10th every year. All seasons are over. And um, so I like to get out there because I want to see what bucks have survived. So I run mocks specifically in, in the last of uh, three weeks of uh, January and then February. And I'll run right up to about mid-March where I'm concentrating on areas where I'm trying to pick these bucks up that I know they're living there. That's where the food is. I know they're going to be coming in here. I want to see if I can pick up some of my bucks and see if I got any survivors of my big boys, you know. Um, that That's what I use my, my late season wintertime uh, mocks for. And, and uh, it's just nice. You know, you end the season and all of a sudden you pick up a really good buck that you was a target buck and you know, you didn't get a crack at him and, and all of a sudden he shows up after season's over, he's standing on your mock scrape and you're like, yes, he made it. He made it. He, he, so he's another year older coming up. So I enjoy that. And that's, that's probably all what really motivates me to run my mocks all the time because I'm just, I'm watching the deer like that. I've got, you know, I've got a buck named Tiny, and I got a buck named Norm, and I got one named Little Guy, and Too Short, and Wide Glide, and <laughs> I mean, I've got a bunch of bucks out there that I've named it. 
you know, that I've been watching. And I've been, you know, I've watched these deer all, all year round. Um, it just kind of lets me, some, you know, of course, you got to move with your mocks because the deer are going to move, with the, especially in the wintertime, because they're going to go to the feed. So you're going to have to concentrate your mocks, you know, on the feed once they, uh, you know, when season's over, January, February, for the most part, um, and it gets real cold, those bucks are, are going to be hitting feed. So that's where you want to put your mocks. And they'll check them out, and I got them, I got shed bucks checking it out, you know, just drop their antlers, and, and they're still still hitting my mocks. And, and uh, like I said, so, yeah, I run them all the time. Um, I know you and I have both noticed this. I'm sure I know you've noticed this, and I'm sure pretty much anyone who's hunted for any a good amount of time, you ever notice like uh say it's early season, like early October, and then you see a bunch of scrapes just start popping up, and there's probably twenty of them in a row, and they're only about foot and a half maybe two feet wide i have always yep. I've always heard that there that is because there's one doe in the air that has peaked into estrus for like 24 to 48 hours and it just sends the bucks into a, a frenzy you know and I, it, that, that stuff i guess i don't know the answer to that you know if, if that's what it is um i don't know i mean that buck that i killed there with um um with my muzzleloader i mean i that's what that's what made me hang a stand in there because there was rubs everywhere and all the scrapes were fresh and there was bunches of them and um, I was like, yeah, this buck is worked up. And, you know, not knowing how big he is, but by the size of the rubs and stuff, like I said, it looked like he was probably worth taking a look at anyways. So I hung the stand right there. And, and uh, you know, so, but I, it's it's just weird because now I sat there tonight and I watched that buck that come. He was probably a three and a half year old, almost something, you know, pushing 140. And he had his tongue hanging out and he was on a mission. And, you know what? 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 I kind of thought what's going on there is like what, like what you said. Um, a doe has triggered into estrus, but it's like uh, the golden BB. There's like one doe out of this whole area just just cycled into heat, so it gets all those bucks all worked up, and they're thinking, oh, it's here, it's here, it's here. And that's where I think you're seeing like this three and a half year old because I typically when they get up to about three and a half years old, it seems like anyways, I hunt public ground. So um, it's completely different. That seems to be the age that they reach that three and a half where they start to lay back a little bit, you know, and they're not moving around and running around as stupid as what they were when they were a year and a half and two and a half years old. So that kind of and, and I do know. You know, I've worked on deer farms and all that, and I do know that you get probably roughly about 10% of your doe will cycle into estrus early. Another 10% will cycle late, but the bulk of your herd, like 80% of that herd, is going to cycle at the same time. And that's when that, that's that lockdown period. That's when they're, every doe in the woods is now in heat. And so that, and then, like I said, but not all of them. I shouldn't say all of them because then you're, you are going to get a few that are going to that are going to trickle along late. You also got your second rut that comes in, which for us out here in in Iowa, we get kind of lucky that it doesn't. It's some states like Michigan, where I come from, you know, pretty much gun season opens November sixteenth or fifteenth, and that puts an end to everything. You know, the rut's over just because they kill most of the bucks, and it just gets crazy. But out here. 
what our second rut is made up of is our doe fawns. They're now like seven, you know, seven months old and they're old enough and they, they cycle into estrus. So that, that's typically what our late rut is. And that happens right there, probably around, you know, about a, you know, 28 days after the, after lockdown, you're going to get another lockdown. Um, but it's going to be a light one. And that's like I said, it's going to be any does that didn't get bred and, and, uh, but mainly it's going to be all your dope bonds that are now old enough and they're cycling in. So that, you know, that could be it. You get one, one deer triggered into, into estrus and got all the bucks in, and there's only one and there's a whole bunch of bucks around there. So now only one buck got to breeder, which was probably the, the dominant buck in the herd is probably the one that got to. So now the rest of them are running around seeing if they can't get lucky and find one. So you'll get some spurts like that maybe. And then, if it, if it ends up going for four or five days, I would guess, and a doe don't cycle into estrus, you know, during the next four or five days, they'll probably settle back down. I mean, they're still going to run around, and the young guys are going to still run around being all stupid, but your bigger boys would just sit back and say, yep, it's not quite here yet. It's going to be, though, so, you know. But, yeah, you could be right. That could be what get, could be getting them fired up, and that's why, you know, and that buck – you know, I think he heard me over there messing around when I was climbing into my tree stand, setting that tree stand. I think he was hearing that, thinking maybe a buck was over there rubbing on the tree and making some noise. So he thought he'd come over and investigate. And that's why I had just gotten up in my tree, you know, and there he is. Boom. So, so yeah, he was, he, he was definitely, that buck was definitely fired up. I'm going to throw, throw this out here and I'll, I'm going to get your take on it. Um, having a good understanding of the, the buck to doe ratio would have a lot a lot to do with uh especially when it comes to calling uh, say for example if uh there's two guys at a bar and there's 10 beautiful women they're probably not going to have very much dominance issues there i mean they got several to pick oh, from. Not at all because they'll be looking at each other going hey you take half and i'll take the other half okay we're good let's go and then <laughs> Vice versa, if you have two women in a bar and you got ten guys, there's gonna be there's gonna be some dominance issues, and you can use that to how you want to lay your sense out and how you want to lay your calling out, or if you want to do rallying or whatever. Right. Oh, most definitely. I mean, deer numbers are buck to doe ratios are, are huge. If there's very few doe and you've got a considerable amount of bucks, you know, like plenty to go around. Yeah, um, those bucks will be fighting. You're, you'll probably, those bucks are going to be more aggressive to each other because they know that they, you know, that our, the doe, there ain't very many doe in here. So I'm going to, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand my ground because I'm not the guy that's going to be standing over there, uh, you know, walking home tonight without my girl, without a girl. So, you know, I, I think that definitely, um, you know, that, that, that's how it goes. And like you said, if there's a crap ton of doe and, in even if it's, you know, a, a one-to-one ratio, you know, but there's a lot of them, you might get a little bit of stuff there, too, going on just because it's still kind of even. But once you get that buck numbers that are that are way over top of what the doe are, that's when your rattling's going to work, too, because those those bucks, are, that's it. Any sign of a doe coming into heat, they're, they're running to it, you know, especially if they think they're the dominant buck and that they're going to get, yeah, not even that, because they, they're, they'll all come to investigate looking. Um Tonight I rattled in. Uh, I rattled in two bucks tonight that come in tonight. Two of my rattled in. So, 
you know, that's it. And that buck that I shot on the 22nd, he was already had uh, four points broke off him. So he's been fighting already. Okay. So, so it, it, it kind of went, I think this cool weather too is really, it's, we're having like that perfect rut weather this year. You know, it's not hot like years past. We've had it where it's been steaming hot during the rut. You know, it's like getting up to 75, you know, upper 70s during the day. And then, you know, staying, you know, warm at night too. So, you know, it just, it doesn't mean that that rut's not happening. It just means we don't get to see it because we're out there hunting during the daylight when it's getting warm and the deer are all laid up, bedded up because it's too warm, you know, but, but rest assured, they're still breeding. And, and people be saying, man, a rut's really crappy this year, not having a very good rut, you know, and, and that's, if the weather's hot, that's exactly what happens. But like this year for us anyways, here in Iowa, it cooled off here um, about a week ago, and it's that's it. It took a couple of days of that that uh, cooler weather, but the, that's it. I noticed, uh, like I said, on the uh, the twenty second, I killed my buck, and then uh, sat out there tonight and seen four bucks and rattled two in. So yeah, they're they're definitely getting on uh, uh, grunt calls, rattling right now. Is uh, it's prime time right now, honestly, right now until we get up and, and hit that lockdown. So um, and then you rattle and won't, won't produce as much because they don't need to. You know, they're already hooked up with does, and and uh, that that's pretty much the end of that. So, but then catch them after, the, after they uh, come out of lockdown. Then that's when those big boys, that, honestly, that's when I see bigger, the biggest deer of the season is at, right about a week after um, we get out, come out of lockdown. So you get around for us here in Iowa, it's probably around the 14th. You know, 13th, 14th, 15th, somewhere right in there, we come out, and then you're good to go right up through Thanksgiving weekend, and those big boys are on their feet for that week because they're running around trying to find more dough because they're all cycling out of asterisk. So now the pickings are slim, and that's when you get those big boys, and they'll start traveling lots of lots of ground too. You know, some of those bucks they've had, you know, they, they, they can go 5, 10 miles. So, you know, but that's, yeah. That's why I'm onto this big buck right now, and that's kind of my whole goal is to get my crack at him before we go into lockdown. Because if I don't have him by lockdown, then he'll be he'll be gone after they come out of lockdown. He's going to be running, so that, then it's hard to say where he's at. And then you basically you you just you can't hunt him anymore because you don't. But where I hunt in the river bottoms and I am from Iowa, you know, there's other big bucks like him that are coming from other areas. So they're all running up and down that river bottom. And uh, so you'll still see some really good bucks and you have a good chance at cracking a, you know, a giant, honestly. That's exactly like the buck I shared with you, the, the real big one that I've been after since last year. I know exactly what he did last year. He came in, there's a family group of does. He came in, bred them does. And then after lockdown, he moved on. I saw him yep. one time last year during daylight, and I did not have a clear shot. And I wasn't. Yeah, that's the bottom line. If there's no doe there in Esther, he's, he's not going to just sit around and say, "Oh, I guess that's all I get." Oh no! Now, now, now he's. That's that's where they get where they're a little bit easier to kill too, because they're literally. It, it, I take it as, and maybe they're not, but it's kind of how I describe it. I guess is they're in a panic. They're in a panic. Oh my god! Oh, oh, there's no more dough. Where, where'd all the dough? Man, I have no dough in heat. Man, I gotta, I gotta find one. And so they got that sense of urgency that I need to search and I need to search right now. And and that's 
them are all day sits. I mean, you can sit right a- after the rut's over, they come out of lockdown. And I'd sit anyways, about the first of November, I'm trying to do all day sits as much as I can. And I'll do all day sits right up until Thanksgiving weekend, as much as I can. Now I don't get out there every day, but um, when I do go hunting um, during, from the first till Thanksgiving or that weekend, yeah, I'm doing all day sits. And I see a lot of deer. I, God, I've seen more deer in the afternoon than, than uh, you know, sit there at the end of the day and go, let's see, I only seen five deer this morning, but between 11 and two o'clock, I seen 23 deer. You know, and then I only seen five, you know, this evening before dark. So, you know, during that time, that's it, man. You got to be in the, in the stand. I had the biggest buck of my life went past me last year, and I just couldn't get a shot off at him. And in the, in the, he was close enough, just he was sticking into the kind of some cover right there. And, and he come through at 12 o'clock noon. So, and he was, yeah, he was a one solid 170, 180. So he's a big boy. Hmm. That's... So, that's what the way I look at it. Like after lockdown, the it's like the bucks are like. You, you remember when you first started chasing girls, and then you yep. you got you got your first piece of tail, and then that buck's already had his first piece for the year. He goes probably nine months out of the year with out out a girlfriend, and then mm-hmm. and then he starts shacking up with these does, and then he's looking for the next one. Well, yeah, I mean, this I, I, this is kind of a funny that I tell my friends. I said, describe it like this. Say, so let's say that uh, you and I, we can't, we can't have any kind of sexual relations with any women for nine months at all. We'll, we'll, we'll just save, you know, 10 months or whatever. You got two months out of the year that maybe you'll get to. But the, when they first open that, that first bar opens up ladies night and lets all the women in there at six o'clock at night. And then at then at uh, ten o'clock at night they uh, um, it's ladies' night. And then at ten o'clock at night they let all the guys in. And you know that's it. There's going to be some brawls. <laughs> yep. You know, and, I mean that's it. This is once a year we get to do this. And uh, so yeah, I mean, in literally you can you can look at it. Just, that's how I look at it with those deer. And that's they're 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 drunk and stupid basically, and they they got one thing on their mind. I mean, y'all, you know. Y'all know that. Don't go days without eating when that, when that rut, especially those young bucks that, that aren't getting any. So they're constantly on the run looking, chasing and chasing and chasing and checking every doe they come across. You know, a lot of those guys, and honestly, it's the younger deer like that, but you'll get them old guys too. They'll run themselves right about half to death too. But God, those, uh, you know, that's it. It's, it's game on. I probably would too, and so would you. If it was just once a year, we got to go down to the local bar and for for one weekend out of the or a week out of the year, man, that, that's it. It's a free for all in there. You know, it's going to get pretty crazy. So that, that that's yeah, you can relate it to deer hunting definitely. Um, two more questions, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, what are some tips and tricks you would recommend when using scents? What was that? You kind of blinked out on me. Repeat that real quick. What are some tips and tricks you'd recommend when using scents? You know, it's um, there's an art to it, but it's not it's not difficult. And I've shown lots of guys, you know how to you know I get I get a lot of guys that they 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 don't know how to build straight. You know, just not sure how to do it. And um, you know, no big deal. I enjoy it. It's like here, and I actually I've got a few videos out, so I just I just share that to them. So. Um, you know, it's really, it's not really any different than what, what we kind of are doing, you know, 
all year long. I mean, getting ready and and then deer hunting. I mean, you're still you're you're getting in. You're using the wind. You always keeping the wind in your in your favor. Um, you know, you're and you keeping those mocks. Hit. I because I live so far from where I hunt. It's like an hour for me to get over where I hunt. I I refresh in my mocks once a week. Um, but if you can get, ideally, if you could get in there and refresh in those every three or four days, you know, that'd be perfect. Um, the deer are going to help you keep it, you know, um, set up too. Um, one trick that I do is, um, you know, and a lot of people do, I run a drag rag with my doe esters and I like to do that a couple and all depends. If, um, I know I'm crossing a whole bunch of different deer trails. Once I get into that area, it's like, all right, here, I need to put my drag down because I'm going to start crossing a bunch of different deer trails. And I'll leave a I'll leave a, a scent trail right to my location. I don't ever walk right to my stand. I always stay out away from my stand, 15, 20 yards. And I usually have a scrape, you know, always have a scrape. So it's whether I've got to build one, if I'm doing a hanging hunt, or if I'm uh, already got a stand set in there and the scrape already going, you know, then I come in, I walk right up to my scrape, hang my drag bag, and juice up the scrape and then i go over to my tree and climb in so because just because i don't want the deer coming right straight underneath me especially get those little ones coming in checking y'all out and smelling it they get over there and start messing around at the base of your tree and look up at you and start acting foolish then you're like ah dang it you know so i like to just keep them out away from me and that like that that's why i i run my drag out past the side of my stand or whatever um you know, and then other than that, I, I run, um, I'll hang wicks, not all the time, um, but once in a while I'll run wicks and of course hang my drag rag and then throw up a couple of wicks, one with buck on it, one with doe. Um, this time of the year, a lot of, a lot of people, um, I know quit using my dominant buck when the rut comes in and they go right strictly to all estrus. And I don't, I keep running them both. I, I, I'm, that's it. Once I, once I introduce estrus, I mean, I'm running my mocks with my dominant buck like crazy. And then once I introduce estrus, then I'm running estrus and I run that right till January 10th, right at the end when season closes. If I'm doing, you know, late season muzzleloader or haven't killed one with my bow yet, then I can do that late split they have out here in Iowa for bow hunting. And that all closes on the 10th, but I'm running estrus all up through there because you're going to get a, a sporadic um, doe here and there that'll come into heat even into January. You know, some of those fawns, if they were a late fawn and she hasn't been killed by gun hunters or bow hunters or muzzleloader hunters or whatever, she's, you know, she might not hit seven months old till she, till January. So she's going to cycle into estrus too. So, um, yeah, I run estrus, like I said, I start about the, 18th 18th of October I, I introduced the estrus along with my buck and then I run that right till like I said till the end of the season and, uh, that's, what, that's what I do on that um, honestly I mean that's really about it you know try to stay scent free when you're building those, those mocks you know although I've wore boots out there that I haven't really cleaned up or done much to and and I build my mocks, I still kind of haul all my stuff away with me. And, you know, if I use a stick, I take that stick out of there with me. If I got to pull up a bunch of grass or something like that, I'm taking that out with me. I don't leave that stuff there. Um, you know, and that's it. Just, you know, keep hitting those mocks every three, four days if you can, but, but weekly. 
is, uh, I would say, you know, it works. I, that's what I do. And I have plenty of luck on my mocks, you know. But like I said, your bucks and your dough, they'll, they'll help you keep that fresh too because they'll be coming in and working them. And, and uh, so it's just nice that you get out there and see that your scrape's twice as big as it was when you built it. And you're like, oh, yeah, look at that. They're turned up. And then I'll just splash it with some more jinxum and dig it all up even more. I might even make it a little bit bigger. And once I got deer doing it like that, sometimes I'll even slide over right next to it, maybe a foot or two, and build another scrape. And um, just as big, if not a little bit bigger than the one that's there. And they'll they'll take that right over. It'll it'll turn into one big scrape. That that little foot or two that you left in between them, yeah, that'll get scraped out of there, and it'll just be one great big monstrous scrape that that uh, deer coming into. That's if you got deer like that in your area, you know. So it all is relative to where you live. One of my favorite, th- I use sense in two different ways, two different scenarios. Like, um, I think how most guys do it, but I will take like a, like you said, a drag rag, and I will use like the, the misfortune dominant buck on a one, and then on an- another drag rag right behind, I'll use it on the same, I'll have like a stick out and my string down to my drag rag with the dominant buck and then i'll have another string down with like the bewitched uh doe and estrus not running them both so you're kind of simulating a, a buck is following a doe because here you go you can smell both of them exactly and and in my mind that's gonna if i'm tr- i'm trying to think of how a a rut craze bucks thinking he's gonna think all there's already a uh another buck in there with this though so he, that's going to get him charged up and like, especially if, he's, if he feels he's the dominant buck over that buck too, especially, you know, like, you know, if he's the dominant buck in the area, he's going to say, "Oh yeah," and and you always have challengers too. So, but even your little guys, they'll follow it up just to investigate. I, I'm going to follow it up if I get run off. I get run off, but I'm still going to go look and see. <laughs> it's kind of you know how the how the little guys do it. They're not getting any of it, but they're definitely going to be up there uh, seeing what's going on. I know you've seen that too, where you'll. Absolutely. Have a good buck chasing a doe, and there's three little bucks behind them, you know, taking up the rear. Like, yeah, you little bucks might as well give it up. Absolutely. That, that, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> that older bucks, he's already fought for that right to breed that doe. Exactly. exactly. And, and doe, especially the older does, too, they'll only let that dominant buck breed them, too. They just don't let any buck come up. And, you know, some people can will argue with me on that point, but... I really don't. I think that those does are selective in what buck they let breed them to. You know, and it's going to have to be, you know, the dominant buck if that's what's available. I mean, if there just doesn't, isn't any, I mean, God, back in Michigan, it got so bad. I watched a button buck breed a doe, you know, because they just hammered the deer so bad. And so, I mean, they will take what's available. But I think when you got a good, healthy herd and a good, healthy age class, those upper age class animals are breeding each other. You're not. You know, that big buck, he's going to be breeding all them does, you know, young or old. He don't care. But I think on the does end of the deal, um, the older that doe is in the age class, she's she's getting bred by an older age class buck, too. You know, she, she's not going to let that little six-point come up and breed her. Maybe. Right. The, uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, but I think for the most part, I think that's how it works. Yeah, I th- the way I think they have, like, this one buck has his core area, and then he has his harem of does, and then them does are one to uh, pass that buck's uh, that dominant buck, that mature buck's 
genes on down to their fawns so they have a better chance at survival. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's how it works. I really do. And um, But like I said, if you're in an area, of course, if you're in an area where your age class is just all out of whack and, and that, you know, I mean, if it... I know back when I left Michigan, that was in the late nineties. Um, they, they were get, they give the odds of a buck in Michigan to live and to be four and a half years old was only, um, 10% of all the consistently over decoys. So, but I'd, I'd like to, I guess, maybe talk with some of those guys and ask them too. I guess I really never have to say, you know, do you do a lot of deer blow out on that? And they might say, yeah, they do, but you always have a couple that, that they're coming there puffed all up and ready to bite. So I've just never done good with decoys, so I don't use them. Um, plus, I've got enough stuff I'm carrying into the woods with me. Geez, when I'm doing a hanging hunt, I got my stand, my rapid rails, my backpack, you know, with my camera and my camera arm and my base and all. God, I probably got 45 pounds on my back. <laughs> so I don't need to be trying to carry a deer with me, a decoy out there, you know, on, on the way that. That would kill me on that public ground. Uh, last question. We'll wrap this up. Um, what sets your sense, Jinxum's sense, apart from all the other scents on the market today? You know what? I've been asked that question a million times, dude. And honestly, for the product itself, I'm going to say nothing. It's, it's, it's deer urine. And honestly, I don't, I mean, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I mean, I worked on deer farms. I've owned this company for seven years. I, I got a pretty good understanding of, you know, how it works. As long as that farm is collecting properly, storing it properly, and, you know, just handling it like it needs to be handled quickly, and um, it all works. And I, you know, I won't bash any other scent company out there. It's 100% deer urine. They all work. I think where we may run into troubles on some of those companies is is literally that they're handling of the product. They're not doing it quick enough. They're letting it sit around. It's getting aged, um, you know, before it finally gets stoned in the bottle. I mean, I don't know, but um, I also think that the way that I pack my orders too, I think makes a big difference. Um, like I said, my urine's collected and immediately frozen is bottled and frozen as quickly as humanly possible. Ship frozen so, too. What's that? Uh, every time I've gotten the it's always been ship frozen too. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and that's another thing too. They're, they generally, they don't stay frozen. You know, if they're running in the mail for two days, three days, um, I'll get, I get a lot of messages on that where, where people are saying, Hey, I got my scent today and it was all unthawed and it was actually felt kind of warm. But, you know, I vacuum seal on top of that. When that leaves here, that's all. That gel pack's frozen. The, the urine is frozen. And um, and then it's vacuum sealed, too. Um, I know that once in a great while, um, I hear from customers that my vacuum seal gave out and didn't hold. But it's all still intact and everything was good. But for the most part, they're vacuum packed. So there's no oxygen getting to it at all anyway. So and it takes, you know, about four days for urine if you just sat it out at room temperature in a bottle it'd take it about four days before it got to the point to where um i would recommend that you just throw it away um but so you know if it, even if it does take a half a day or maybe even a whole day that it's been fairly warm um it's still in good shape when it gets to you 
um, it's it, it, it's it's going to work like it's supposed to work. I've sent to Canada, and I got a guy up in Canada. Actually, we tested it out, and he knew it was going to take a while because I had to go through customs. And I vacuum sealed that up, and I threw a couple extra gel packs in there with it, which I don't think probably really mattered much. But um, it took 10 days for that to get to his door after it left the house here and went through customs and got on his door. It was 10 days later, and he called me up and said, he let me know that he got it. And I'm like, all right. I said, open it up. Take a, take a whiff of it and see what it smells bad or you think it smells good. He opens up and takes a whip and he's like, that smells just like deer urine, Sean. I was like, all right. I mean, it's not like burning your nose and ammonia. He's like, not even a little bit. It's like, all right, cool. And that was it. He used it and he's killed deer and he buys from me every year. I, I ship an order to him to Canada every single year. He's uh, he likes it and he does well with it. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's, I, I get a lot of uh, um, stuff on that, you know, as far as, uh, you know, it's unthawed, but it's, you know, you know, no worries. It's, it's in good shape. Um, and I think another thing on that makes sets me apart, I think is my customer service. Um, I had a guy call me at like one o'clock in the morning and I just happened to be up cause I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, I'll answer the phone. So I answered the phone and the guy's like, um, is this jinx and sense? And I'm like, yep, it is. And he's like, um, I was just calling to leave a message. I didn't actually think I was going to talk to anybody. And I was like, Hey, you got lucky. You caught me. I was up using the restroom. So I figured, yeah, I'll answer it. Cause thinking who would be calling me at one, it could be family, you know, something going on with that too at that time of the night. So, but I ended up spending an hour on the phone with the guy. He went on jinx and sense there and made a big, big review for me. And, you know, pretty much kind of described. I called like at one in the morning just to leave a message and the owner answers and spent an hour on the phone with me and answered all my questions and amazing. Awesome. So, um, I, I, I do, I think my, my customer service, I think goes a long ways and, uh, I bust my tail for, for my staff, for my clients, um, trying to get these orders out the door as quickly as possible. And, you know, just that, that's it. I, I, I take pride in that. I take pride that I'm, I'm providing a good product that works. And, and I take pride that uh, I get it out the door in a timely fashion. Now, not saying that, you know, somebody's order might not sit there, you know, because I only ship Monday through Wednesdays, too. So people that put in an order like later on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, none of those orders go anywhere. So when I come to Monday, I usually have a big stack of orders. So it usually takes me even maybe even into Tuesday because while I'm packing up all those orders, I, I just, I'm continually getting more orders in. So you think you're starting to make some headway and then all of a sudden a couple, three more orders come in. You're like, Oh, here we go. Got another one. You know, so you just jump on it and get it going. So, you know, um, takes up a lot of my time. I'm kind of a one man band. Um, I do have a new girlfriend and she is all about it. She's into the hunting and, in the uh, the outdoors and fishing and all that good stuff and she has been a godsend um she's accountant by trade so she come in and looked at all my paperwork and was like <laughs> you're a mess so she organized me and um now i can't find half my stuff i have to ask her where, where she put it but um she did a great job and she's really really helped out but uh she lives in michigan too so um she'll be here actually uh wednesday but um yeah, so so I've been doing this pretty much all by myself. So it, it's a lot of work. I do it all, you know. I'm, I'm vacuum sealing the orders. I'm 
putting them in the freezer, um, cutting styrofoam by hand with a table saw for my uh, boxes. I'm doing my clicking ship, um, loading the orders up, throwing the labels on them, taking them to the post office. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm busy. Definitely. But, but I definitely enjoy it. Man. And um, I enjoy seeing the success from, from people that use my stuff and guys sending me videos and pictures, you know, about, man, I just built this box scrape this afternoon and look at, I already got deer on it. It's like, heck yes, man. I love it. Love that stuff. So that, and that's, that can go back to the pros of owning the business is our, our moments like that too. And, you know, and then when they do actually succeed and they send me in that picture holding up a bottle of Jinx and Sense and thanking me for providing a good product, you know, that's kind of cool. I, I, I like that. That that's, that's cool. And that's, and that's my goal, you know, is to, is with the whole customer service. And I guess, like I said too, I'm, I'm, I kind of care a little bit more, honestly, about my deer hunting and helping people become better deer hunters too. You know, I obviously, you know, I love Jinx and Sense and, and I love the business and all that, but I really do enjoy um, helping people out and giving, you know, giving advice and, and you know, I, I, I enjoy that. So, um, you know, it's, it's all, it's all good. I enjoy it. And, and that's it. So I'll, I'll teach you anything you want to know if you, you know, if you want to listen to me. Um, some people will tell you that what I say is kind of not true or that's not how it works, but I've been doing it 43 years. So I got a pretty, I think I got a pretty good handle on, on uh, deer hunting. And, and I do, I love giving advice to people and try to help people out. And it's really cool when you get guys that'll send me top of, you know, uh, aerial of their property and show me where this buck, where he's seen him and where he's scraping. And dude, I can't get at him. What do I need to do? You know, and sit down and and dissect that with him and break it all down and, and get him, give him a uh, plan of attack that's going to maybe up his odds. And when those those are awesome, when it actually happens and my phone blows up and it's a, three or four pictures, you know, of this buck, I got him, I got him, it worked. And it's like, sweet, you know, I, I love that. That's, that. that's probably the biggest pro to this whole thing, you know, to be honest with you. And you introduced a new product this year, the Limb Liquor Attractant. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I haven't got a chance to order it yet. Yeah, that's just um, that's that's not a um, like a set. It's not a gland set, um, a preorbital set, or anything like that. It's actually an attractant, and um, it just it, it's it's a secret formula. And uh, but the deer like it, um, and I've I've been using it on uh, my licking branches for quite a long quite a quite a little bit actually. We tested last year on it, and and. Uh, you know, and then uh, testing some more this year, and we were getting good results. So it was like, all right, let's throw it out there. The season ain't over with yet. Let's throw that out there and and uh, see if uh, people want to check it out and see what they think of that. So, um, no, I mean they'll uh, they'll come right in. They'll work that scrape and they'll work they'll work that licking branch with with that limb liquor on there. So it's a, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of probably more of a of a curiosity scent, you know, or you know something that they they're they're just you know they like it for one reason or another. They, and they'll they'll work on that licking branch and and so yeah, it's it's just another attractant and uh, just something another layer that you can add to your mock scrapes, you know, other than urine because a lot of you know I put urine on my licking branch and people say you know you don't pee on that licking branch and I know they don't but they don't care <laughs> they don't care so but um i just wanted to get out because i've had a lot of inquiries on 
and you know preorbital sac, gland sac, um, some sort of you know something to to put on the licking branch. So um, that was something that we came up with, and it works. And and uh, like I said, just just another layer to add to that mock. Well, Sean, I appreciate you coming on here and doing this podcast with me. Um, we can go ahead and wrap it up. I will. Right. I will say that uh, Sean is not. Sean is not paying me in any way to do this podcast. I just happen to use his sense just because every trial and error that they happen to have the best results with them, and I have the best luck with them. Um, to all the viewers out there, um, if you want to, I would rec- definitely recommend looking up Jinxum Sense and giving them a try. Sean, I appreciate you coming on and doing this podcast, and uh, good luck the rest of the season, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much, Mitchell, and good luck to you too, buddy. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Welcome to another episode of the Wild and Wonderful Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Patterson. And uh, this evening's episode, I'm actually doing an update from my stand. And I just wanted to fill everybody in with what I'm seeing. Um, This week, I've called in four different books. They're being very responsive to calling especially like um, buck growls and long drawn out extra splits in a sequence. Um, Wednesday morning, I actually saw three bucks before 10 o'clock and I called two of them and they were both shooters. I just didn't have a clean shot. Um, This morning, I set up on a ridge top and I actually saw my target buck that I was in there after and he was coming out the ridge toward me, and then he just cut off down into the cove in front of me. Um, he was trotting with his nose to the ground, so that told me that he was tracking a doe. So they're definitely up on their feet in the mornings. Um, I haven't seen much activity in the evenings, but that's not to say they're not moving in the evenings. Um, just depends on where you're at, I guess. If you're you're a a meadow or a field edge, I would say you'll probably see some deer in the evening. But as for me, where I'm hunting, most of the activity I'm seeing is high on ridge tops and real thick, nasty uh, points and coves. And uh, yeah, I just want to give you a quick, short update. Maybe. Try some calling. Try some rattling. Don't get too aggressive. Um, keep it... I can't try to keep my... My calling sequences to about a minute, minute and a half. Start off with some doe extra splits. And then follow up with some... Uh, buck growls and some tendon grunts. And do about a minute and a half rattling sequence on the black rack. Not getting too crazy. That's just my update for today. Peace out.